Welcome. This is uh, Alex and with the uh, the Very Hicken Bros podcast. We have uh, Nick as a special guest, as our monthly guest. Again. Howdy. And we're grateful for his contribution. Um, the past yeah. month for him has been kind of exciting. Um, what have you been up to, Nick? Uh, well, working my retail job during the busy holiday season, so I've been busy. But uh, I've, I've been renewed focus on putting out some videos on my YouTube channel, so that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you do a photo shoot recently? Um, a little bit. I've done a couple things. I did a little work, like a client shoot. Uh, yesterday, the day before, uh, nothing huge. You know, not a lot of wedding stuff going on. But I'm trying uh-huh. to keep some small things going just to keep myself creative a little bit. And you know, it never hurts to get some paid work and pay some bills. Is, um, any uh, projects that you want to talk about? I'm sorry, your voice is kind of quiet in the call. Any what? Do you have any projects that you want to talk about? Uh, honestly, nothing that I've planned enough to say that's a real project. But um, yeah, mostly I'm just enthusiastic about the YouTube stuff. I'm kind of trying to hopefully put a video out every week or two uh, related to photography or maybe technology or whatever I'm interested in. Because um, I realize I have these great cameras that record amazing video and I have a decent mic and I have all this stuff. So why not just try my hand at putting some stuff on YouTube and seeing if it'll stick. I put a couple of stuff, uh, a couple of videos out so far, mostly just technical stuff about film scanners um, or new film that came out. But I, I have some ideas for new things that I really want to record, and hopefully it's just a matter of finding the time and the patience to record and edit it all together. Yeah. Hmm. How about you guys? How's, in, uh, how often do you guys you record, you record this weekly, right? Yeah, yeah, like, we record this weekly. Every week we try to get it done. Have you guys had? Well, Sometimes. then how was your week then? It might it might not have been a month since the last time you guys talked, but you know, anything happened in your weeks that were interesting? No. <laughs> um. Well, my work's been pretty busy the last couple of weeks, and now it's dying down because usually January, February, dead like months for restaurants, and so they've been trying to sell like a bunch of gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like a. I know you've been busy making many many pounds months. of mashed potatoes. <laughs> I was like seventy five last time I checked, too, right? Too many. Like yesterday, I had seventy five <laughs> pounds, and then the week before, I had like seventy five pounds, and every day it's just like twenty five pounds at least. Sounds <laughs> like a metric fuckload of potatoes. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm done for the year. I guess I have two more days for that though. Hmm. So you're going back to be a prep chef? Oh yeah. How's so they're not uh, happy with the performance of how uh, long it takes me to do that. So I'm going to be switched back to uh, prep chef in the next year. <laughs> so you'll be like what, skinning the potatoes and getting them ready to be boiled? No, I already do that. I'm doing now like what like not actual 
customer's food, I get everything ready for the cook. So I'd get ready like hush puppy uh, batter and like uh, we have peach cobblers we sell or like uh, banana pudding. We have a uh, guacamole, and a bunch of different like sauces and stuff that we make so that they have it ready to uh, start cooking with it. Hmm. Hopefully that's a decent hmm. job. Yeah, it's uh, an hour earlier, so that's going to be fun. Hmm. That sucks. Are you going to be paid the same? Yeah, same pay in hours. Just I might have to come in on Saturdays and get Tuesdays off, but well, at least the pay is the what same. they want. So Same pay, same hours, just... Instead of a two-day weekend, I only get one day off. Hmm. Yeah, so that's what's been happening and just hanging out with uh, my roommate's brother and playing a lot of games, so... (laughs) We have a joke about uh, Trevor... um taking forever to start playing uh, Stadia. Have you started playing that yet? No, uh, yesterday my other friend came over and started playing Jedi last, uh, I mean Fallen Order, so that's been occupying this TV. Didn't you take delivery of the Stadia like hella weeks ago? <laughs> like three or four weeks ago? Yeah, it was like uh, a month ago I got it. It's been out for a month now, at least. I love that you're this Google guy who's so <laughs> into Google stuff, and then you like get something right when it comes out, and then it just sits in the box. Well, it's opened. <laughs> I I like opened it with uh, Alex. Oh, my bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's open, but he hasn't. It's so boring that he hasn't played it yet. <laughs> I don't know if it's boring. It's mm-hmm. just that I don't have the time. <laughs> you're so busy, dude. So busy doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, what about you, Alex? Of... Oh, yeah, the, me? <laughs> uh, this past week, I took the week off uh, visiting... Actually, no. Yeah, this past week, I was with family for uh, the holidays. We played a couple games of Monopoly, Pokemon Monopoly. Trevor got my dad Kangaskhan because that's his favorite Pokemon. <laughs> no, we we play Pokemon Monopoly with all the figurines that we have, and it's been fun. My wife like never really played Monopoly, so she's learning that. <laughs> what? And, yeah, I was telling her how what was your <laughs> like. What did you play? Pretty sad life without Monopoly. For better or worse, I guess. Hey Nick, have you have you played Monopoly, Nick? I definitely have played Monopoly. I've played Pokemon Monopoly at Trevor's in your house years ago. <laughs> probably like a decade ago. Honestly, yeah, probably just about. Yeah, it's a... Pokemon Monopoly is probably the best version of it. <laughs> I haven't played other ones, but <laughs> Pokemon is a pretty fun version of Monopoly. Yes. Yeah, this uh, podcast, we are trying to record our audio with different uh, 
from different locations that we're at and remote. So we're excited to uh, bring a new audio quality. Trevor hasn't bought his Mac yet, but he's using his um, Pixel for the people raving about the recording app that they have for the Pixel. <laughs> um, I will see if it actually does anything. The topic for this. Yeah. The topic for this podcast is the top 10 influential things of the last decade since 2020 is around the corner. Um, yeah, so. Trevor's um, going to start that. The first one, I guess, not the first, but the last one on the list that made it is. Um, about the rise of uh, artificial intelligence in the Google Assistant. So I, I would say that's pretty influential in this decade because, um, I mean, we see it everywhere now. Like, Siri was the first that started it, but the Google Assistant really made it um, easily, easily accessible and, most, and easy to talk to. Well, Siri is the most popular, obviously, but... I'd say Google Assistant's uh, the best and easiest to work. So I guess the item would just be the proliferation of these voice assistants Here's a result and from the search. sort of combination of maybe some artificial intelligence in there. I don't know if you could actually call it artificial intelligence, though. I mean, it might be, but really it's just maybe that's used to parse the text, but really it's, I, don't, I don't think it's really being intelligent about the answers. It's just seeing what you want and giving you an answer. It's not like we're talking to something that's a simulation of a human. You know, it's really just logic behind the scenes telling you what answer uh-huh. you're going to get. That's right. I mean, it still uses machine learning, which is like, uh, I guess not on the devices, but in the servers, it's learning from each uh, question and each thing we ask it. So I definitely think it's getting, you know, those things are evolving. So now it probably uses a lot more machine learning and maybe artificial intelligence than it did before. You know, in the beginning, it probably was just very simple, but they definitely all every year they all get more they all get smarter. I don't know about Alexa because I don't have any of those things in my house listening to me, but I've been at places with Alexa, <laughs> and Alexa is always giving us problems, so I don't have a lot of confidence in that. Yeah, uh, a lot of parties where things just go wrong. I know we're having a party. We just want Alexa to play us some music. We ask her, and then she just like cuts out randomly. And we're like, okay, well, where'd the music go? Alexa, play something. And then she goes, okay, here's some music. And then it's just silence. And this has happened at multiple separate occasions. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? We just want a party. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Siri I might be kind of dumb, but at least Google Siri knows how to party. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, you wanted to mention... It. We want to talk about machine learning. Did you have anything you want to mention about that? Yeah, I think that's really kind of a this year and last year kind of thing. I mean, maybe a little before. Um, wasn't really kind of happening in 2010, 11, 12. But it's really where we're, where we're moving, I think. I think that now we're seeing the beginning of as many things as possible are going to have uh, machine learning applied to them, where things that before were maybe not as smart are going to become a lot more smart, a lot more personalized, or a lot more predictive uh, because they can apply all these machine learning technologies to them. Uh, things like, you know, self-driving cars, or uh, image processing, uh, audio processing, 
uh, all video games, pretty much everything that could use extra smarts, uh, it's going to be, I guess, enhanced by all this machine learning stuff that's coming. And you can see it's being, like, built into phones now. They have, like, custom chips and phones, and the iPhone has the, um, I forget exactly what they call it, but there's a, there's a part of the actual hardware that's designed to do those machine learning calculations, and I think that, I bet you some of those Android phones have them too. So it's, I think it's definitely, yeah, the, it's like the latter half of the decade, like these last couple of years, probably really going to take off in the next decade. But I thought I'd mention that because I think that that deserves some sort of mention if we're doing a list of influential things, because it's definitely something to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any of the, uh, you want to do honorable? Do you have anything you add to that, Alex, or? No, I don't really like talking to my phone, so I don't really use Siri or Google Assistant. I use them at uh, home with my Google Home. It took me a while because I moved to Oregon. It took me a while to get it to understand that I'm in Oregon, not in California anymore. (laughs) It's kind of annoying. I ask it the weather and he's talking about Cupertino and it took me forever to change that in the settings but uh, it's funny to me yeah i like oh, sorry uh, go on i use google assistant i use google home at uh, at in my residence yeah i was just gonna say with the home kind of stuff um you know maybe five or ten years ago i never really thought it was something i wanted or needed it's sort of a science fiction thing just to call out into the air and have something happen but since i've had hue lights and um like HomeKit stuff in my in my house, and now I have I've had my devices now the HomePods, where I can just ask Siri to do things. I've become totally used to that. So now if something doesn't have if I have to get up to turn a light off or turn on the heater, it's just it just feels archaic, you know. It's like I'm too trained now to just call out into the air and be like, "Hey Siri, turn on the heater," and then something happens. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's like uh, my parents' house. I have like. Google Home uh, in every room and I don't know if they use it but we used to use it for like the lights and for music and I still use it around the house for music when I'm like at home and or like just showering or something <laughs> so yeah I use it a lot so yeah so uh, after uh, each of these uh top 10 we're going to start with the honorable mention to um, list those that didn't quite make it but are still impactful and the one I wanted to talk about is Google uh, Suite Drive and like the Chrome OS how um, that's kind of changed a lot of um, computing in the desktop space we have well also on mobile because now a lot of the like document creating and everything we don't need like Google I mean Microsoft Office anymore most of it's online we don't even have to like download anything just access the website and then start writing auto saves everything and you have a Google Drive to back it up so you can just log in at the computer in the library or something and print it out and I, I think that changed a lot since 2010 so I think since Chrome OS is like dependent on the web apps and like that's been one of the main things that's been sold to like schools and stuff that's changed a lot of things so 
pretty honorable <laughs> yeah i don't know i guess um maybe i'm one of those i'm not anti-chrome os but i'm just really not a i'm not on the chrome os bandwagon but i definitely see that google apps and google all that google suite has been pretty influential i know that other than maybe you guys nobody i personally know has just switched to using like chrome os as their operating system for anything but a lot of people are, are using the apps for a lot of stuff like you said most people don't think oh i have to go buy a software for word processing or for spreadsheets or something because most people just want to go online and just use the free google service so i definitely see that we even use it at work you know most people like right now we're looking at a google doc uh, for the show and the show notes here so it's definitely I, I mean when did that stuff really start happening i guess really it proliferated after 2010 ish but it was probably 2007 or 8 that it started or was it after that yeah, I think it was 2006 or seven. the docs finally was available and, well, it takes a few years for everyone else to start using it because teachers have to, like, learn about new and upcoming things, so. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's pretty big in uh, education, like, even though I don't know a lot of people who are using it that are outside of being a student or an educator, in education, I think a lot of times they just give a fleet of Chromebooks to a class because, you know, it might be nicer to have bigger PCs or to buy MacBooks or iPads for everybody, but it's cheaper to buy a Chromebook, and they can do all the same things. Because if you're just going to use a Mac to use Chrome to access Google Docs, then you don't really need that. You just need a Chromebook that can access Google Docs. Yeah, I remember when I used to work at Best Buy, like, it was, like, always the beginning of the school year. There's just tons of kids looking for Chromebooks, and we'd, like, always sell all of the really nice ones. and not nice ones, it's the little better ones and then people would like come in like get the cheap ones because that's all they can find at the stores <laughs> i guess when it comes to personal um mm-hmm. personal use other than a few people who might just find that it's the best option for them i still am kind of like you know i guess it's just the budget option but for a lot of people i'd say why not just buy you know an ipad or another cheap android or microsoft tablet or something and then run a browser and then get your google apps that way because then you have the flexibility of all the other things that those devices can do plus the stuff that google has online but maybe for maybe for a certain yeah. amount of people chrome os is a good option i just i struggle to find that if that's that, that would be a lot of people yep I mean, if you're looking to play games, you probably don't want Chrome OS since it's limited to web apps. Yeah, Trevor's been the main person that I know that uses Chrome OS. He got the first Chrome OS laptop way back in the beginning of the decade. But that was that black uh, computer, right? It was like the first one they released. uh, Yeah, it was like a brandless little netbook. the C C R forty eight, that was pretty cool. Yeah, to be honest, that was pretty <laughs> awesome. It like had a decent trackpad and everything and it kinda looked like a black Mac Pro. Yeah, that's MacBook. probably why I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> now, how often do you use your uh, Chromebook, Trevor? You recently got one? Um, I st- I bought it because I wanted to like practice um writing like stories and stuff and then I just got distracted and stopped using it so <laughs> I haven't used it since uh, like probably a few months now I got it like early September which one did you get? Like, I mean I'll probably use it 
Uh, it's a what, what what band was it? It's here, it's a. Is it like a high end one or just kind of a standard one? Because I know they make like a couple pretty expensive ones, right? Yeah, this one's uh, like a wall-spec one. It's not super high-end, but it's, um, it's an i3 and a touchscreen, so you can like use it as a tablet and stuff. And so it was around like 450 or something when I bought it. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. I mean, when I first got it, I was like, "Wow, this is actually like works really well as a desktop computer." So worked for me. <laughs> I'm sure the speed has come a long way in the last 10 years. Yeah, I mean, at first it wasn't as bloated, so I mean, it still ran pretty well, but now it's, since web apps have kind of grown to what they are today. It's yeah, the web's actually really heavy now, I think. I was, I, whenever I turn on my old computers, I have a couple of old Macs that I like, and I was playing with my Power Mac G5 today, and the, the computer's really not that slow. You know, for using certain apps, it's pretty decent. But when you open a browser, just modern websites, there's so much going on behind the scenes of them that slow down hardware a ton if it's not really, you know, recent. So, like you said, back in the day, yeah. things were lighter, websites were lighter, and the operating system was lighter, so it kind of felt, you know, usable. But I think now, if you were to use that old hardware now, you really see the slowdown because websites have gotten heavier. Right. Yeah, any other... Uh um, things you want to add to this? Well, yeah, I wanted to. I don't think you said that uh, Google Drive started in 2012, and that Google Drive is pretty widely used, and it's only within the last seven or eight years that it's existed. It's <laughs> yeah. It's kind of interesting how a decade has cha so much has changed in a decade. And kind of wonder what's going to change in the next decade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most people don't even bother with yeah. flash drives or little hard drives anymore. You just send people files, the Google Drive or Dropbox or Box or anything else. So it's definitely, getting, it's gotten a lot easier to share files. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, uh, at first it was like, what, they only had like 20 gigabytes now, like standards, like 500 gigabytes free. And in drive? it's just going to get probably even... Well, in just main, like most um, cloud storage, um, like, doesn't iCloud have like a pretty high uh, Dude, iCloud is abysmal. Storage that's like, no, that's something that I'm always shitting on Apple about. I'm like, come on, all this other great stuff, and it's like five gigs of free storage or something. It's insane. Wow. <laughs> and I think, isn't the free Dropbox account also like five yeah, gigs or something? Yeah, most just give... Yeah, Dropbox is only five gigs. Hmm. Maybe Granted, like, they get me, though, because I'm paying for both of them, so I guess their business model works. <laughs> yeah, I... There's a time where I lost my laptop or something, and I figured I should have everything on the cloud, and I used, like, the five free gigabytes on a bunch of cloud to storage websites. <laughs> but I... I think Trevor subscribed to Google Drive the the premium thing yeah, so he has a bunch of 50 gigabytes or something so it's kind of loosened up for me I don't need to use um, a bunch of cloud services anymore <laughs> yeah I have that Google One um, subscription service so it includes like uh, 
what, 400, 300 I have, I think, at least, I don't know. And then I could like add people to the family, so I have my brother to it, so he basically has free storage. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't know. I just was using Dropbox for so long, since like 2008 or 9, 9 or 10, and I just, once I ran up to the 5 gigs or whatever, I just paid for more, because I just, was, I'm so used to using it. I think, I, I think it's like 10 bucks a month now or something, and I have 2 terabytes? I don't know. Something like that. Wow. Yeah, I used Dropbox and I felt like I barely put anything inside of it and I reached my max pretty quickly. <laughs> like holds nothing within the what they give you for free. Yeah, I mean if it was just my own personal files or small things, I probably wouldn't need that much. But uh, for a while, a long time I was delivering files to clients with it. So I would just give them a, a download on Dropbox and that, that, uh -huh. that really, you know, that gets pretty big pretty fast if you're downloading a lot of files. I've also like collaborated with a couple people where mm -hmm. it was either Google Drive or Dropbox, but when you're sending like media between places, it wasn't really video, but like lots of raw photos or whatever else, that stuff balloons and you're just transferring gigs of data between uh, different drives and then you pretty much have to have one of the higher capacities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we should so, probably get through uh, the list, yeah. so what's next? Um, well, Next is you the, have the next one, Nick. Oh, I do. Yeah, here, Tesla EV. Hmm. I don't. Well, <laughs> I guess we could all talk about this one. It's not like I own a Tesla yet, but um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, self-driving cars. That's definitely a thing. That's pretty much all of it. Tesla, basically, and whatever other electric vehicles that are out. There really aren't that many yet, but there are more and more coming all the time and being announced. Um, I guess yeah. Last decade was really the beginning of the sort of car thing electrification i think that this coming decade is really going to be where the movement picks up speed because now it's really just the beginning most cars are still sold with burning fuel right for um for energy right but i don't know i think it's interesting i definitely think it's kind of one of those things that's bigger in in the social consciousness than than the actual sales you know all, all, tons of people know roughly what an electric vehicle is or what a tesla vehicle is or that Tesla vehicles can self-drive, kind of, um, even if most people don't buy them. You know, it's sort of like they have a good mind share um, and they need to work on the sales part. They're definitely selling cars. I don't know all their numbers off the top of my head, but um, I think it's one of those sort of cultural things where some of their stuff is just so surprising. You know, the summoning that you can do in a parking lot or the self-proclaimed self-driving, the automation, that, you know, these videos of it go viral and people learn about what it can do, even though it's not available to most people yet because the cars are still pretty expensive and people don't buy cars that often. Yeah. I think uh, since most people know, like, oh, yeah, the, um, the Prius is, like, a hybrid and now, like, we're evolving from hybrids to the next uh, just pure electric vehicles and Tesla is like the first one to actually like get a good working product that people want to buy and then they add in like the self-driving part and just I, I think it's I think kind of like started a, a new industry of what everyone else is starting to get into yeah I don't know I think it's a little bit it's kind of hinky the way they're calling it self-driving because they say self, full self-driving is coming. But if you look at what they have right now, it's definitely like a really smart cruise control. You know, they can, and in some cases, it can kind of self-drive through parking lot, but it really isn't super smart about it yet. You know, I'm sure it's getting better all the time, but to say, to kind of 
market it as a using the word self-driving it's almost hyperbolic you know people are going to think oh this can drive itself and no it can't really drive itself places yet and i think it, there's a really large gap between where it is where it, where it has to be to really call it full self-driving i don't know uh, i definitely think it's cool like i'm i think tesla is doing great things but i think it's definitely got a really long way to go i don't think it's like i don't think this is a next year or year after we're just gonna have self-driving cars everywhere i do think it's gonna take a lot longer than some people might expect True. Yeah, Waymo has been working on this for many years, and it's kind of interesting how Tesla has been putting the beta out into the public where Waymo has been doing all their um, research. I think they even uh, built a city to practice uh, uh, driving with their Waymo cars. Um, yeah, there's been some companies or startups. We, my wife and I are really excited. Sorry, go on. Hmm? Yeah, my wife yeah. and I are really excited for uh, self-driving cars, and Waymo has uh, launched in Arizona, and it, we're just waiting, <laughs> hoping that it'll come to uh, Portland pretty soon. Uh, it's fully self-driving. Yeah, Waymo, uh, Waymo is uh, bought out, I think, by Google, or just made by Google, I can't remember. So... Okay, well, yeah, do we have another honorable so. mention to give here, or should we just keep moving on? Should we go to crowdfunding? Yeah, you could choose one of the honorable mentions. Oh, I can just choose one? Or I guess if there's nothing in particular, why don't I just choose one here? Yeah. And I'll say that I think... Uh, hmm. Well, I mean, we could touch on the whole video resolution thing, 4K and 8K video. I almost I almost always laugh when people bring up 8K because it's such a, you know, like, measure-baiter, like oh, I have an 8K video stream, or I have an 8K file to watch or to edit, because it really is, it can bring some systems that are in use trying to edit that stuff, but uh, 4K, at least, really kind of came to its own toward the end of the decade. You know, it's pretty mainstream now, and people have decently easy access to good 4K content. You know, it took a while, like anything in the beginning, you know, it's just, you're going to have a few TVs that can do it, but now so many cheap TVs have 4K resolution. You know, they might not have great color or HDR or whatever, but a 4K TV by itself is pretty easy to get. So I think it's definitely become mainstream in the last couple of years to get a 4K capable television or computer and then content for that on Netflix or wherever else. Yeah. I would say since it's uh, a format that everyone's trying to like chase after 4K is like since the 2010, uh, from this decade, it's pretty standard now. I'd say most people are either getting 4K TVs or plan to get one, because 1080 is kind of blurry now. <laughs> so, uh, and also content's finally, like, uh, everywhere in 4K, so I think it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty up there, but not quite on a list. Yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of people, you know, people say 4k is you know it's really so much sharper and way better but tons of video still consumed on screens with like less than 13 inches of space so for those you might see a small difference but you know most people aren't even viewing them on screens that you'll see much of a difference uh, it's, it's just interesting to me you know for all this stuff for all these people um who talk about 4k being this massive deal really what it's great for is 4k cinemas if you have you know modern cinema with 
a 4K projector, I'm sure that looks awesome. Or if you have a really good 4K TV with HDR, you can get an amazing picture on that. But I think it's funny when people go, oh, does this have 4K capability to record or to view it on like, you know, whatever phone or tablet or computer. And it's like, it's nice to have it and you should because the technology is there. But when it comes ultimately to the picture quality, maybe you won't notice that big of a difference if you're just streaming off of your LTE connection on a phone, you know, looking at it in the bright sunlight where you won't notice the color and sort of, I think that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, we looked it up and we saw that 4K um, was only um, released in the theaters in the past decade. So a lot of theaters aren't even 4K yet. I think it's still this past it's expensive decade. for them to upgrade all their machinery. You know, the the projectors I'm sure have cost way beyond what we would expect. So most theaters probably still have a 2K projector, uh-huh. um, which probably still looks fine to most people. You know, really you're there for the sound and the massive picture and stuff but i guess as soon as they need to upgrade it will be to a 4k 4k projector so in the next decade i'm sure most theaters will be 4k at least yeah okay so, so i'll um, continue on with the next one uh, the eighth of the top 10 is uh mobile first computing Mobile-first computing was, and it's uh, common to think about, but it's kind of new when Nick wrote it down to me. Uh, first, uh, mobile-first computing is the idea that people have kind of quit using uh, personal computers as their main uh, source of accessing computers and the internet and stuff and people are relying on their phones first and they occasionally will use their laptop maybe and uh, yeah it's interesting that's been a development in the past decade yeah I'm a prime example of that so (laughs) a lot of things the, the software is kind of designed mobile first too you have certain social media apps which are designed in the era of smartphones so you have you know their apps optimized really for those small devices and they might never have a web app or a really rudimentary web app or they might not ever have native software for windows or mac where really it's just expected now that everybody has a decently capable phone and then you know oh you could also use it on a pc or something but a lot of things now just primarily interface with your phone uh, which kind of reinforces that phone being the center of your digital world compared to the pc of like one or two decades before Uh-huh. I guess now we're kind yeah, of moving to the era where uh, it's really more about the cloud being the center, right? It was originally maybe the desktop was the center of your computing experience, and then the laptop kind of in between, and then the the mobile phone. But now it's sort of like really the experience is in the cloud, and then you could switch your phone as long as your data is still up there and all your different services and social media. It almost becomes less relevant what the hardware is as long as the hardware can access all the stuff that you have in the cloud and access the software that you want to use. Yeah, the mm-hmm. phones are basically. Uh, I mean, the apps aren't downloading really any of this information. You're just accessing. They're just like um, a way to in- get to the cloud. So I'll go on record and say, that, like, like I think that's kind of tragic sometimes. 
some some apps are fine, but there's so many apps that are just sh- like honestly shitty web apps wrapped up in like an app wrapper that you can download to your phone, and like it just does not the responsiveness yeah. is not yeah, as good. Yeah, I've seen some of those. It's <laughs> you know there there's something to be said about a native app written for the platform, whether it's Android or iOS or Windows or Mac. You can just get a more responsive app, and you can do more things with native apps than you can with just a web app. So I'm, I'm kind of sad to see less focus on that because some apps are just so great because they're native apps for the OSs that they're made for. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of like uh, <laughs> what happened with uh, the Office Suite. It's, I mean, it's way better to use the downloaded, like, newest Office because it has, like, really nice UI. But, like, you can just download Docs and it's just on your phone or your tablet or whatever you're using, just start writing and gets it done. You don't have to. It's what most people do. I don't think people are, like... I mean, a lot of people do, I guess, start get on a laptop and start writing the documents. I guess that's a bad example. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting how Microsoft has to had to have done the opposite because Microsoft, all their software is on the PC and they've had to have had a hard time transitioning to mobile. And they've recently hired a team to make the transition better. It, they've kind of struggled with putting the mobile uh, first kind of they're in the new generation and new decade so a couple other things we want to talk about in this uh, mobile topic is we think that OnePlus is the m- probably the most influential uh, um, manufacturer in the past decade uh, OnePlus began, I don't know exactly, when it was early in the decade. And Trevor was uh, one of the first adopters of OnePlus. What do you think about that, Trevor? Yeah, well, I think since OnePlus started like with the whole uh, mantra, like, oh, we're the, we're the flagship killer, right? Like, we're going to undercut them and have the same exact, like, feature sets and experience you can get any other phone. That's kind of created um, a competition because if, like any other um, phone uh, manufacturer, there's like, well, if they can make it and get a ton of like sales out of it, why don't we like try to also compete in the same space? So a lot of in the last couple of years, like even iPhone, the uh, Apple started with the iPhone XR and the 11 to drop the prices from like a thousand and down to at least a hundred eight hundred or so where OnePlus has started from like for four hundred and gone up, which is kind of funny um I would say for Apple's actually yeah, kind of the opposite kind of, wasn't it I mean the iPhone for the longest time was a six or seven hundred dollar phone it was only with the last couple of years they added a thousand dollar phone on top of that, but Apple really never has made like a cheap phone you know they they don't really chase the middle what they do is you know, the next year they'll make the older phones a little bit cheaper and they'll reach a 500 or $600 price point. But I think uh, a brand like OnePlus really is designing phones that are designed to be great and middle-priced at the same time, as opposed to waiting for a high-end iPhone to get cheaper in a year or two. Yeah. And since OnePlus have started, like, their line of, um, I guess, colors, the flagship colors, there's a ton of other brands, like uh, Xiaomi has their own, like, uh, Redmi branding that's designed to be like high-end, mid-range, 
phones that still like look good and perform well and then there's a whole bunch of other ones like uh i don't know there's just a ton of chinese brands that are just like really high end uh spec wise but they're still cheap enough to buy if you're like on a budget <laughs> so i think that mm -hmm. was uh pretty interesting to see um develop over the last 10 years Okay, so I'll go through the honorable mention before I transition to the next one. The one that I wanted to add to the list, some people might not think about this, but I I added a... Most websites have the HTTP uh, in front of the URL, but um, in 2016, the more secure version of uh, HTTPS was became uh, more uh, it's been become free to any domain to have, get certification and have uh, more secure connection and services so now we live in a more secure internet uh, experience it's funny how much of a wild yeah, west so it used to feel like you know back you know you can take any any year right any decade and say this is what we have for security and then go a decade further and way more security is being um, enforced so now it's like we think this is it's definitely a good improvement but um you know i'm sure back 10 years ago people thought okay here's this other new technology and we think we're safe from that but it's sort of a constant battle i think and it, it's definitely good that they're https I don't know enough about it to to talk about it technically, but like like what you said, the fact that that's being used now, um, it's definitely an improvement in the right direction. I feel like we're probably going to keep seeing stuff like that happen every few years, where there's new security standards being implemented. Yeah, isn't a um, mm -hmm. HTTPS uh, mean like there's a end-to-end -end encryption so that there's no like way for anyone to like spy on the packets being sent back and through uh the server like if you're on a banking site like sh it should be secure there shouldn't be like any kind of bank that's not using it so yeah well, i remember them nice to know that banks and credit cards and stuff it seemed like they were the first ones maybe some shopping sites were using it anything with se uh, sensitive information but i think now it's probably becoming more common for all kinds of other sites too you know, originally it was definitely the ones where it was their asses on the line if the information got leaked or got hacked. But um, it's good. It's good to see more sites, more kinds of sites using that, and not just like a couple banking sites. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's funny because I I didn't notice like even some uh, blogs or things. I just like noticed like oh yeah, there's the secure version. That's kind of cool. So I guess most people do have it now. Yeah, even my little tiny blog has <laughs> HTTPS. Okay, number okay. seven on our list of most influential things of the past decade is uh, tablets. Uh, I've uh, I'm a big tablet uh, advocate. I've been probably using <laughs> I've been using a tablet probably this whole decade. Uh, People would think I'm weird in class because I would be working on my tablet and I would take pictures of the whiteboard. <laughs> and I didn't know this until after 
the class that I was in, but they they call me like a tablet boy or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember Alex even in like uh, at church, you'd like be taking notes in the front just to uh, have like a uh, basically like his digital uh, t- uh, pen pad. He would just always take notes in. It's really interesting. Yeah, I like the tablets because they look more professional than if you're like on your phone taking notes on your phone. It looks like you might be playing a game or texting something or being distracted. But I think using tablets in a setting looks more professional than a laptop. With a laptop, you can be kind of hidden. There was one time I was taking notes in church with a tab with my laptop, and people thought that I was like watching a movie or something during church. <laughs> so uh, that's. I, I, I think tablets look more professional when you're in like a more social or uh, gathering where you're meeting to do more. It's funny that you you say that because I, I definitely or, believe that can be true in some places, but it's funny that tablets sometimes get the rap as being less professional than tablet. Uh, sorry, than laptops in situations of using like professional work. But it really just me- depends on what professional work you're doing. If you're a student, or if you're taking notes in church, whatever you're doing. The tablet probably is maybe the best option. Um, like you said, sometimes a, uh, a laptop feels like you can hide behind it, or um, just the way it's set up. You uh-huh. know, it's different than having a tablet out there. Uh, I like the tablets. I've been using it basically the same amount of time. I pre-ordered the first iPad when it came out. I've been using one forever. I love how casual they are. Sort of on the opposite end. Mm-hmm. I love that I don't have to have a whole com- like a laptop opened up and set up in front of me to get what I really want, which is probably just a, a really good browser and then a couple other apps doing email messaging and stuff like that. I, I kind of totally bought into what you know the tablets and the iPad and stuff can offer. And I've always been a, a really a computer person. You know, I love my Macs. I love my computers. But sometimes it surprises me how long, I, if I don't think about it, I can go quite a while without even opening up a laptop or a desktop if I'm just day to day going through my stuff and using an iPad. Uh, they've gotten so good now that you can kind of do most of what you need. I, of course, still want to use a lot of pro apps that are on like a desktop operating system. I like to use Logic and Photoshop and Final Cut and all that stuff. But um, for everything else, you know, it's just so comfortable to hold a tablet in your hands, recline back, lay down, walk around with it. It's just the the form factor. I think is a really comfortable form factor for computing, and it's interesting to see that. It, I think it's definitely totally mainstream. You know, it took maybe a year or two, but people really they got on that bandwagon pretty fast. I think tablets got super mainstream super quickly. Yeah, I think it uh-huh. did start with the iPad, like in, uh, I think, wasn't it 2010 that it got released, or 2011? Yeah, 2010. And then, like, everyone else, yeah, like uh, Google, and they just started making, like, the Nexus 7, and that was a really good tablet. But then, like, even though the, like, the other end, like, other people... The the main one now is the iPad, right? But now, like, tablets have also been uh, kind of dying. So now Microsoft has their service line that's more aimed towards, like, professional use. And I think and now the market's definitely stabilized a little bit. For a while, it just kept growing and growing. And now I feel like it's reached sort of a number of, like, they're still selling tons of iPads, really, and I guess other tablets a little bit. But um, it's not... You know, people are going to keep them for some years. Not everybody buys a new one every year. So I think it's just, it reaches a sort of like a plateau where this is the sort of normal amount of turnaround where we're going to get, you know, however many millions of sales, but it's not going to be exponential and growing. It can't grow forever. But 
I definitely think that they've gotten yeah. really good now. Like, I think if you bought an iPad in the last two or three years, you probably don't need to upgrade it, you know? Like, I'm using last year's iPad, and I can't imagine that most normal people would think, oh, I need to upgrade this whenever a new one comes out. It still works great. So I definitely think the technology's finally caught up, and, like, they're usable for most people. I think if you if you can't get what you want to... If you can't use a phone to get done what you want to do, then you could get a tablet for a bigger screen and probably do most of it. Most people don't need big pro apps. Yeah. So, Nick, what do you think about how, how long uh, Apple took to make um, iPad OS? Um, well, I, I, I think that's kind of a thing in name. Sorry, in name only, because it's really iPad OS is iOS with a couple of extra features to the iPad. So they they easily could have just kept calling it iOS. Uh-huh. They just decided to do I, iPad OS because it sounded better to make it sound like they're putting an even bigger effort into it. And I'm sure they're putting effort into differentiating it, but. Um, you know, since I've been so closely following Apple for so long, and I've been using almost all of Apple's products for so long, it does—it just feels na- like a natural evolution. You know, sort of like, no matter what you call it, we probably would have gotten here. I would have liked to see a couple of things come faster. Things like USB mass storage device support, mm-hmm. that could have come a little bit faster. But for the most part, um, it's not unexpected, you know? Now, like I said, it's, it's become, they're, what they're doing now is making it easier and easier to keep using the iPad for most things. Before, it was like, I can use my iPad for all this except for, you know, when I want to grab a file from this thumb drive or except for when I want to attach my camera or except for when I want a desktop browser. But slowly and slowly, all these things are being kind of fixed. And so they're giving people less excuses to have to go out and use their Mac or their PC or whatever. You know, a lot of people still prefer desktop OS, but I think iPad OS is really about making it easier for people to who only use an iPad to just keep using that iPad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like um, the convergence thing that's happening between uh, mobile and desktops is coming towards like uh, I guess where even if you have an iPad, it's like a desktop environment basically, and I think that's what tablets do best at. Is like the Microsoft Surface line, they they tried so hard to like create. A tablet that's also a desktop computer and also uh like uh i feel like i don't know how many people buy them but i feel like the surface line really um it's the only other uh, option if you're not into an ipad honestly yeah to be honest if you want like a really high-end fast device to get stif- stuff done you either buy an ipad and use like procreate for art or whatever for photoshop or you just get a, like a surface because those are the ones that are going to give you like the best, the highest end hardware I think can be found with Microsoft and Apple there. I don't, I'm not familiar. I'm sure like Samsung or whatever makes tablets with Android, but I think that if you need the highest end hardware, you're probably buying an iPad or a Surface. Yeah, yeah it's interesting how Android doesn't isn't really. They might be doing it uh, in the past couple of years or so. But Android is not really known for being super professional. They a lot of companies use uh, um, iPads. My company uses iPads, and my I did an internship with a company that worked with Intel, and I used uh, Surface um, tablets over there. Every all the foremen had Surface tablets over there, and I had to maintain them. 
Yeah, it's interesting. It was nice that it was. It, it was nice that uh, Windows. I was used to Windows and using the Surface tablets was uh, kind of easier to transition to. <laughs> well, I'm all. I'm here for tablets. Okay, so the honorable. Huh? No, no, nothing. Anyway, let's move on. Honorable mentions, like you were saying. What's next? Um, I guess okay, I could. Honorable uh, mention. Yeah, you you could do it, Trevor. <laughs> I guess I could talk about. Um, I don't know, like Pokemon Go. I think that's been uh, a huge thing that started like um, what four years ago now. Oh God! Really, four years? Sixteen, I think. Or maybe. Oh, three maybe years. I don't know. Three. But I don't know. I remember like downloading it in like when I was back in California, and like every like. Everyone and their mother was like playing this game because it's like the first like game like oh you can find Pokemon in the wild you can just like walk down the street and there's something there and then like catch it and like it was so popular like even in like you just go to the store like everyone was just like on their phone like all the employees were just playing Pokemon Go and just like distracted it's it's the first like big like I guess you can call it augmented like reality where it's like uh instead of seeing like you can go out find something that's not really there and like pretend to catch it <laughs> so it really kind of shocked me too that yeah. it's had some a little bit of staying power i was in disneyland like a year ago and i saw a couple people in line who had multiple phones like they were holding multiple phones one in each hand for pokemon go it just blew my mind a little bit <laughs> I mean, I get that maybe it's a fun uh, game, but like fisting. really, yeah. Augmented phones. reality, augmented reality has been a long time coming, and there's been some uh, bad attempts. Like Google's Google Glass was a bad attempt to do it, and we're trying. Apple's rumored to f- try to do it in 2020. It's it's not this decade. It, Pokemon Go is the first to make it mainstream, but. Hopefully, we'll have more things that'll make uh, augmented reality. I think there's a lot of potential in augmented reality in the next decade and stuff like. uh, Yeah, I'm really excited for it. I think you could. There's certain. I actually invested. Crosstalk. Keep going. (laughs) I I invested kind of like a Kickstarter into one uh, augmented reality glasses and. Yeah, um, it never came, but. I <laughs> What's up with really people paying for Kickstarter stuff and never getting it? Trevor, when's your watch coming? Uh, yeah, they went out of business, so they basically like gave everyone to show some the money that they owed people. So well, at least there's that. At least, there, <laughs> at least there's yeah. Like, crowdfunding conclusion. is a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crowdfunding is another honorable mention on this list. Um. Crowdfunding, uh, Kickstarter came out in the early decade and it was hailed as the best website and the best invention in 2010. And it's kind of died out recently, kind of. It's kind of bigger companies are using it as a way to like launch products, kind of. And it's I see kind of things like Patreon being used still a lot, though, with people who are making music and videos and artwork 
like people you'll have a patreon account and i think that's still pretty popular so because people feel like they're really more directly supporting the people who are making things that they like you know if there was a there's a podcast that i listen to um i'll, I'll send them a few bucks through, with patreon every month just because i appreciate what they do um so i think that's definitely something that's still happening right uh, it's kind of but the whole what are you gonna say go ahead i was just saying like kickstarter itself like it blew up like uh with a bunch of di- different like tech things like wasn't pebble like the highest funded like um tech uh like project that came out and from pebble we got um fitbit that bought him and now um doesn't uh google now own fitbit so like just from this little project <laughs> RIP started, Fitbit. they're now like part of the yeah RIP Fitbit and Pebble right so um, but yeah you can see how like one thing that started as a project now part of the biggest company one of the biggest companies in the world <laughs> yeah it's kind of sad how many people uh, use uh, Kickstarter to get a bunch of money but they don't deliver um i've been a victim of it a couple times yeah it makes it sound so personal <laughs> i've been a victim yeah. of it <laughs> i think people just get amb- ambitious and then they find out that it costs a lot more than they expected and then they just can't deliver what they uh, promised so that's like me with myself all yeah. the time I just spend all this money. I'm like, I'm going to get really good at drawing. So I buy like a bunch of nice art supplies. And I don't fucking touch them because I suck at drawing. Or like, I'm going to get really good at playing the guitar. Let me buy It's just like, it never ends. I'm, it's like I'm kickstarting myself and then I'm like bankrupting my creativity. It's it's a whole thing. Well, at least no one's like invested into you and you're not like failing to them. So Yeah, but I'm failing to me. <laughs> hmm. Well, maybe that's uh, something you can uh, start like a YouTube channel next year. You can finish that. That's a good idea. I should invest in some new equipment. <laughs> start a Patreon. Please. All right. So the next one, uh, all of us are going to chat. Well, we've all been chiming in, but Disney's... Uh, in the last decade, it's grown to be uh, the the media uh, monopoly it is today. <laughs> yeah, they were so, already big, and now they own all these big IPs. Yeah, it's insane how uh, basically anything you watch is now Disney. Like any theater, like big uh, office uh, thing, is Disney now. Like Star Wars, Marvel any Fox movies it's it's Disney so we all consume uh, media and Disney's the top one to sell us that so that's definitely a top 10 <laughs> yeah I definitely put the, like this, this the whole Marvel thing is like definitely influ- influential at least in our sphere you know our sort of middle class American like cultural thing that we have uh, the Avengers movies, all those superhero movies, those are pretty massive. You know, there's sort of cultural events every time a big one comes out. It has everybody talking. Everybody's interested in in it at all, even people who aren't, you know. People who never read the comics, people who don't really care about superheroes, they'll still go see them because they're, pr- they're generally good movies. 
So I think it's been a constant throughout the last 10 years is a steady flow of those movies being drip-fed to us. Yeah. Like, superhero movies mm-hmm. are now mainstream, like... That's, like, what you go to to the movies now. It's like, oh, what's the next superhero <laughs> movie? Oh, Aquaman. Well, it's not Marvel. I better watch that four times. It started the whole inches. Hmm, <laughs> Yeah, so, like, it's, uh, like, now Disney Plus is, like, one of the biggest things that <laughs> at the very end of the year. Have either of you subscribed to it? I haven't. I know uh, no. Alex's brother-in-law has in like, trying to get him to watch Mandalorian, right? Yeah, I'm not really interested in watching stuff, but <laughs> they've been... My brother-in-law has been really wanting me to watch Mandalorian with them. I downloaded it and got onto it, but I haven't. I opened it like once or twice, but never started watching it. I feel like I'm already like I already have Netflix and I pay for stars. I don't watch nearly enough stuff on either of those. So if I got the Disney thing, it would just be like more money going out into nothing. Not that it's a bad service, but I just know that I don't watch enough content really to make it worth it. Yeah, we all stuck mm-hmm. watching YouTube and stuff we talk about in the later parts of this video. Yeah, the yeah, streaming so. wars is a uh, honorable mention that uh, it, ba- it basically started this year, so I don't think it really counts as influential for the whole decade. I would but, say Netflix. Well, you yeah, could, you could change that and just like Netflix has been massively influential going from 2010 when they were still sending out discs to now when they're when when they release a series it becomes like a massive thing and everybody's talking about it it used to be people were talking about tv shows that were on tv networks and now everybody everyone just assumes that everybody has netflix and everybody can watch these netflix shows yeah i completely forgot netflix started out as like a dvd service that you sent back <laughs> i know it's funny i just thinking back on it it seems so like quaint I think oh back when we wanted to send out for physical media but um it's it they've really i can't believe we didn't really have them as a whole topic on here because i think they are probably one of they are the most influential thing to happen to video probably them and youtube i guess combined the two different they're the, the two massive players in video for the last 10 years yeah netflix mm-hmm. we probably because we don't really consume enough we just forgot about it but yeah, like for anyone else you can talk to, like that's the number one like pastime is probably binging Netflix or watching Hulu. Or, like Netflix is the one that started it all, though. <laughs> yeah. So um, the next topic, uh, I would say, changed uh, a lot in twenty the twenty tens is uh, T Mobile. T-Mobile as the on-carrier they've self-proclaimed because they wanted to break uh, the, I guess, what we view carriers as. They're, like now T-Mobile is known for like having really good service and low prices and they started in 2014 um, to just cell phones with payment plans instead of contracts. So everyone else uh, soon after just 
adopted the same uh, same way of selling devices instead of having to pay like 200 bucks and you're stuck on this contract with a new phone you can buy a phone pay it off and then you're done paying uh, that uh, subsidy if you had a contract so yeah that's what I think really changed the industry or influenced this decade yeah I guess I would I mean I don't I don't use T-Mobile, but I can agree with most of that. I think if we were putting anything, like something cell phone related into Spot 5, I would just say fast wireless networking available to most people, I think, is the thing that really took off. Because in 2010, the LTE wasn't really a thing, so people were still on 3G speeds. And that was amazing for the time, but really it was the availability of higher speed connections that really kind of enabled everything that we've been doing in the last 10 years. You know, people sharing video really easily from their phones, from one phone to a social network to another, consuming video. Um, basically, everything that we do now is reliant on those LTE connections and soon, like, 5G technology. And that, I think, is another kind of big cell phone-related thing you could put on that list. Yeah. So, I guess that's a better way to say it's... Um I guess, yeah, LTE as the standard is it's good. We actually can watch Netflix on a on a train or like on your commute. You can listen to music or something. I remember using so like 3G. Uh, like you could. <laughs> yeah, you could. I mean, <laughs> I had 2G on my first iPhone, and I remember like you'd click. You know, I'd go to YouTube. And it would I'd wait for it to load the video a little bit because it's not like it would start playing immediately. And like, okay, it looks like it's loaded enough. Let's see, it'll probably play through now. And when you had a really good 2G connection, you could pretty much play it because the resolution of the screen was not so high. But um, we've come a long way definitely since that, and even since the 3G phones. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess you got hijacked from that spot to um, high connectivity, uh, 4G speeds, and... Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to hijack it so much, I but I think like T-Mobile definitely made a difference, but I just wanted to mention that if we were talking about cell phone stuff, I think an overarching theme of the whole decade would probably be the the high the higher speed connection that we were able to get with LTE and then having that in everybody's phones now. Yeah. So, um 4G Yeah, my uh, my family <laughs> My family has been a big T-Mobile fan, probably because Trevor, <laughs> he he likes the their innovative ideas. Um, I don't really have much to say about it, but I'll transition to the next one since Trevor has the next one again. The honorable mention that I wanted to say is a. Uh, the NFC application has become mainstream. Um, Google Pay and Apple Pay has uh, become. I don't know. It's, I don't think it's become mainstream. So it's, but a lot of people can use it, access it pretty easily, and uh, NFC is used in other applications like getting on buses and stuff. 
it's made life pretty convenient. I would say that I definitely think it's. Uh, I would almost say it has become mainstream, or it's become close to mainstream. I mean, maybe not everybody's doing it, but a lot of people are aware of it. And there's, I'm always surprised by the random people I see actually uh-huh. using things like Apple Pay at the store. Um, it, where I work, I have ran- I have people who I wouldn't necessarily expect them to even know what Apple Pay does, um, and then it turns out they do, and they use their phone or their watch to pay. Like it surprised me. And even if you go to the, at least around here, my little tech bubble in Central Cal, like Central Coast California, um, seeing people. It's pretty common for people to just pay with their phones or their watches or something. So it's not everybody, but I definitely think by now we've gotten... It's been uh, about, let's see, six years since Apple Pay came out, or five, and probably a similar amount of time for the Google stuff. And uh, it's it'll probably become way more mainstream in ten years, but I think now it's like... It's a decent amount of people at least know what it is. Yeah. For to me, I'm like kind of surprised now that when stores don't have it, like how how do you don't you have like Apple Pay or like Android Pay? Like come on. Honestly, yeah, it should be. So, I think it's actually built into most of the terminals now that accept credit cards. So it takes more effort for them to like turn it off or to have it not built in than it would just to have it there. Unless you just don't buy the new uh, uh, terminals. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, eventually when they upgrade, they will have. You know, eventually. They're only moving forward. Nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna keep buying old terminals just to not have Apple Pay. So I think the numbers just can keep going up. Right. The acceptance is pretty high. It used to be like uh, a pretty like a surprise. Oh wow, they take mobile payment. But now it it's a pretty safe bet. And I guess it's where I live. I don't know about you guys, but most places, most grocery stores and stuff. I'd still love for gas stations to get it because I think a lot of them don't swap out their terminals very often because they're built into the pumps. But you know, in the next ten years, even those places should swap out. We should get mobile payments in those. Yeah, actually, um, I go to Shell mainly, and they have it at the gas station, so it's kind of cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so, I mean, like, now, like, I'm assuming, like, if you have, like, a relatively known bank, you have access to Google, Apple Pay, because, like, they finally accept it, like, everywhere, so NFC's gone to, uh, big, like, gone... I would say it's gone mainstream now. NFC use. I don't know if app, if Google, um, Android Pay or whatever that is. I don't know if you have to have bank support, but I know with Apple Pay. I think as long as you have a Visa, Mastercard, Discover, or Amex, I think it just like accepts all those cards. You just scan the card into your phone, and then it can just oh. use that. Maybe there might be some aspect of the bank that has to like work with it, but I I don't know of any cards that don't use it. I've seen all kinds of people use different cards, and I have a few different ones, and they all work. So. Huh. I'm sure there's. I, I'm sure I don't fully understand the technology, but from what I've seen, it seems like almost all the cards are accepted, or it, almost all the cards can be put into Apple Pay. So probably Android Pay too. Yeah, I just I just know uh, Google. Whenever I try to add my card, it has to like I have to log into Chase. I guess it's a security thing though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like put my password in, and then it like allows me to use it. I know that when I do my cards in Apple Pay. I don't have to log in to my banking stuff, but it I do get an email from Amex or whatever saying we you know your card has been activated on Apple Pay. So they do it's something in the back end like they do know it's happening, but I guess it, it probably the process is different for the different systems. Yeah. Sweet. Um then uh, I guess uh, Amazon is a uh, top 5 and number 4 in this list. They have definitely um 
change the shopping industry to the retail business. Yeah, massively. Um, now anyone, yeah, like so if you go to any like big store like a Best Buy, Target or Walmart, they have pickup, delivery, like free delivery within like two days at least, or not two days, but pretty close. Um, and Amazon started that. They have like the Prime, they started, when did they start Prime? Probably before the decade, but still Prime was like within the last 10 years, like basically anyone you know probably has Prime because they bought or they buy so much enough to, um, uh, I guess, pay it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Prime even shapes kind of how I buy things. I'll filter by like, does this have Prime or not? You know, because I'm so used to now getting things within a day or two that I'm kind of disincentivized to buy things that are not offered with Prime shipping. Yeah. Yeah, yeah one-day delivery is the main innovation of the past decade that Amazon brought. People didn't really demand one-day shipping prior to this decade. <laughs> I think it's one of the things that really helped online shopping like Amazon explode into what it is now because it was always, always going to be popular if you could get something in three to five, five to ten days, but it becomes almost addictive when you know that you can order something and have, you can plan your life around, you know, oh, well, I can last minute buy this thing and it'll be here in a day or two. That definitely changes the feeling. It makes online shopping feel a lot more immediate than it would if you had to wait for five to ten days for everything. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. funny how, like, um, Amazon used to just be known as like an online bookstore and now that they have like a like an arm in everything they have like the um, video streaming services they have gaming is starting to come out they even have like storage competition for web services i was just gonna say uh and aws amazon web services that is like a massive thing i think the majority of people actually don't know about Everybody knows what Amazon is. Almost everybody knows what Prime is or what their Amazon video thing is. But Amazon Web Services powers tons of things. Like don't it's like I bet you they're the backbone of probably the majority of big services that we use, you know? And I I think it kind of goes under the radar and that's a huge way that they make a lot of their money. You know, tons of uh, services and companies, instead of building out their own infrastructure for content delivery or whatever they need to do, they'll have their stuff hosted by um, Amazon Web Web Services. And I think it's just an interesting way that Amazon's a part of people's lives. Even if you think you're not using any Amazon products, you're probably still using things that are powered by Amazon. Yeah, they're like, um, basically they host anything that's like a app, anything that has like a little storage or like needs something like to store just like your user data. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, yeah. wasn't like, let's see companies that use I bet there's just I'm sure there's a list I'm trying to find of like top um, top services using AWS because I, I always think it's funny how it's just st stuff that you would think are doing it themselves but it's not yeah <laughs> it's pretty crazy and then Amazon goes out and actually buys a retail store like Whole Foods so that's pretty big yeah I mean, it's interesting you know there's just been some changes with Whole Foods but Nothing major has really happened to them. They still, it's going to Whole Foods still feels similar to how it did before they bought it. So I'm curious to see what, what if any major changes there'll be 
in the next couple of years now that they've owned it and they're going to you know presumably make changes to how it's to how it works i know now when you go in there when you're checking out they ask you if you have a prime membership and you you, know, you scan your phone and you get a few extra cents off which is kind of nice i guess can you get like 10 or 20 percent off here like same things or something yeah i think it's like an extra five or ten or something percent off of sale items or you know there'll be things that'll have a sign that says you know you get get an extra percent off with prime membership and i do think prices in general have gone down at whole foods since they've owned it various like just basic things like vegetables or whatever else they've gone down a little bit it's still um you know, not not still not cheap but it's still i think that amazon in terms of price has been good for whole foods We'll just see what else they change about it in the future. Maybe because they can afford um, cheaper like shipping or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, Amazon yeah. is the master of uh, a low profit margin. <laughs> They've been uh, taking like maybe one percent on little things, so they they reduced the price on um, Whole Foods a lot. But it's probably not as mainstream and normal um, grocery stores, but it, Whole Foods is was known for being expensive, and they've reduced the prices a lot. Well, I just saw this article online that's from October of 2017, and it says that some of the top uh, customers of AWS are Netflix, Reddit, uh, Pinterest, The Weather Channel, Nokia... Expedia, Dow Jones, uh, Adobe, Slack, mm. NASA. So like tons of places, really normal places. They're all somehow involved now using um, Amazon services. Granted, a- uh, AWS is very that. separate from like the retail division or whatever they have, but um, still, it's all the same company. Yeah, like you wouldn't know all your movies you're watching are actually on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, interesting so I guess we can move on to our next uh, honorable mention do you want to take one Nick hmm yeah let's see um well I guess <laughs> I, I don't know about you guys I don't have much experience personally in cryptocurrency but that's definitely a thing of the last 10 years um, I don't, I, it must have existed in some sense before then but our current understanding of cryptocurrency really is a, a has happened in the last decade. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm struggling to come up with a intelligent way to talk about this because although I know the basics, I'm not. I've never been involved with it myself, so it's it, it's really hard for me to say other than that it's it kind of became really popular. I don't. I, I have. A, it's hard for me to gauge how popular it is. You know, because there's what's popular with nerds on the internet, and there's what's popular with people in real life. And I don't know how far it crossed into the average person's understanding of, I guess, money and currency. You know, most people obviously are just going to keep using their current currency, using their bank, using whatever. I don't know. Like, what do you, what do you what do you guys have to say about cryptocurrency? Well, you know, I I like know one person that actually invests in cryptocurrency, and I guess like um, he's super into it. Like, oh yeah, it's like gotta buy it now because if you if you don't you're like you're gonna lose so much like potential profits like okay like is that why you buy it because it's like an investment like i really don't understand like the actual it never you was uh, never blew up to be what it's supposed to be used for i don't think it ever went mainstream i think 
the concept of it or the, the name of it went kind of mainstream. People, you know, people heard Bitcoin everywhere or cryptocurrency in some places, but the actual use of it, I don't think it really became mainstream. Um, I think there's probably some security benefits to it. You know, there's probably reasons that it was that it, people came up with it, and there's probably good reasons to use it. But for the average person, there hasn't been any real, mm-hmm. real pull to use it, any reason to switch over from what people are already using. But there, there, originally, I don't know about all of them, but I think Bitcoin, you could mine Bitcoin with your personal computers. And I think the more that, I don't know what the term is, the more you find or the more you mine or create, um, the more tokens you, the unique cryptocurrency that you get, I think it becomes harder and takes longer to mine more. So in the beginning, it was easier to use lower end machines to mine the cryptocurrency. But as it ages, it gets takes more and more computing power to get more. Yeah, it's pretty funny because at Best Buy, like, it was hard to, like, people want to find it because people were just buying the top end, like, graphics cards, like, a bunch of them, just so they can mine um, cryptocurrency, like, at its peak, um, like, mining days. Like, it was, like, 2017, I think. And then, like, like the prices of, like, those graphics cards went up because people were just, buy, like, selling them on eBay, and we were just always sold out. And then when they got in stock, like it'd be like a big deal. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a thing. And it's interesting, that sort of ties into a slight subtopic of the evolution of the graphics card and the graphics adapter from the last 10 years and how they've been put into more general use. Originally, it was just for accelerating 3D graphics after the 2G cards, or 2D cards. Um, and then people were buying them for gaming, 3D acceleration, and then now there really are, there's a lot of uses for graphics hardware that's beyond just 3D or playing games. I know that lots of, um, I think you can program graphics cards to do computation other than just graphics. Things like NVIDIA's CUDA or, uh, what is it, uh, OpenCL, or all these other languages that you can use to harness, because the, there's a lot of power in those graphics cards, but you might not need to be using them for graphics. So let's say you could use them for you know mining Bitcoin. Um, this last decade has been a good decade for finding other uses for graphics hardware. <laughs> like I know that if you're, yeah. I know my I have photo or video stuff. Sorry, go on. I have a coworker. I, I work in a cubicle room with a bunch of subcontractors and I have a kind of a a friend kind of across the hall. I think he invests in in Bitcoin and he talked a little bit about the theory behind it. And for every mined Bitcoin, it's they have a network of people that have this spreadsheet that ev- the, everybody's Bitcoin has to be verified before it's actually uh, usable. And it's kind of interesting how if even if one person loses their spreadsheet, another person has it. So everything is still pretty stable. Our currency now, it doesn't... It it seems to be an actual real currency, and Bitcoin isn't a real currency yet, actually officially recognized. But our currency, I think, is less reliable than the cryptocurrency because ours is not backed by any gold or anything it's just money and work that we put into it so it's kind of interesting how we uh, we work and get money but it's basically a number in a bank account is 
There's not yeah. much backing <laughs> our currency. There's a lot of abstraction well, the, that goes on. The yeah. idea, I think, I think cryptocurrency was created to avoid any uh, government-issued uh, like uh, currency because they don't want to have it depend on a certain government so that they didn't have to like oh like oh inflation dang like now i i just lost a bunch of money because the u.s is going through something or like china is doing something to him so like cryptocurrency has the value set always to like whatever he's minded right but now like it's gotten so scarce that cryptocurrency is hard to find because i guess there's only so mm-hmm. many that have been made and they don't make more i guess because that that was done i guess they've all the hidden cryptocurrencies pretty much been mined so now everything's tracked so that people like know like oh he's the one that found it now like it's easy to trace it's like a way to like there's a history between everything that happened for them with like it's a record of every transaction it's just like yeah (laughs) where like there's no record it's just like uh Paper is used to give, uh, it's like a note, right? Like, that's what it is. It's a, it's a note that says, like, yeah, you owe me this much. Um, with cryptocurrency, it's kind of like gold in that way. It's actually like, like a digital, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I still don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, the next topic, Alex, you will touch on. Yeah, uh, the next topic is uh, wearable technology. I was really into it, and Trevor actually worked in the wearable technology department for a little bit. Wearable technology was pretty big, and uh, it died out. I, I On my Twitter, I used to follow wearable technology pretty closely, and I even bought a little tiny phone, and it attached to a little wristband that I used. Um, Now um, the Apple Watch and earbuds have become the mainstream and Apple's kind of taken over wearable technology. Uh, Yeah, I see a ton of I see, I do see Fitbits around, but I see tons of Apple Watches on like tons of people and uh, AirPods especially. I know there's other, it's sort of like it almost reminds me of the tablet thing. There's other tablets, but really the iPad is like the big one. And there's other wireless earbuds and there's other watches, but the Apple Watch and AirPods are like the big ones, at least right now. Um, it's, I, I don't know, that's what I notice here. Again, we're sort of we're all in different bubbles, but where I live, I just it's, it's super common. You, you go, go to the beach and everybody who's walking or running, it's, it's like more common now to see AirPods than to see like random wired headphones. Oh yeah, like everyone at work, like even if, they are work, like they're working, right? They're like and doing whatever they are. They still have one earbud in, just like I don't know, maybe they listen to music or something in the background. It's just like become such a norm thing to see, like wearable things on, like AirPods. Like, I mean, there was headphones before, but this is like beyond that. Like, you can't just have earphone headphones while you're working now. Like, if you, it's it's crazy. Like Apple watches, like. Everyone has one if you have an iPhone, basically. I see. It's it's definitely not like an age thing. You know, it's not just young people who are into technology. I see tons of older people or 
really young people i see all kinds of people with these apple watches on and maybe they're just honestly using them for like the time and some notifications but there's like i said it's kind of surprised me you know i'll see people who i sometimes stereotype and go okay here's an older person who probably doesn't maybe know as much as i would think that they should about technology and yet here they are doing something on their apple watch and then paying with apple pay and i'm like oh cool that's awesome it's uh it's definitely more mainstream <laughs> than I thought it might be, and uh, it's, it's still growing. An amazing statistic I heard recently was that, I think it was from Apple's most recent financials, that if you look at how much money that wearables is making for Apple, it is beyond peak iPod numbers. So and that's just with the watch and wow. the, or maybe that's just the AirPods themselves. It's, one, it's either one or both. And people think, oh, the iPod was this massive product, it was this huge success, and then people now judge Apple by you know, do you have these blockbuster successes? Nobody gives them quite as much credit for things like the AirPods and Apple Watch, but those are doing, I guess, huge numbers, kind of like the iPod did. You know, it's surpassing the peak of iPod and moving forward from there. So I definitely, I see wearables as a thing. We've only talked about the watch and AirPods so far, but I guess for the last decade, any sort of other wearable has not been massive. Going into the next decade, we're kind of looking at maybe some glasses kind of stuff or... um other kind of wearables, but so far it really seems to have been like watches uh, and ear earphones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nick, you know, do you remember it, when Apple? No, Nick, do you remember when uh, Apple killed the headphone jack? Yeah, that was in the iPhone Seven, I think. Right, that was twenty sixteen, twenty fifteen. I don't know. Twenty sixteen, I think. Uh huh. It's kind of interesting how they took a while to make the AirPods after killing the headphone jack. I think it came but, out within uh, a year. I remember, yeah, I remember using AirPods with my iPhone Seven, um, so it wasn't it wasn't that long oh, after. Huh. But um, I, what I think is funniest is that it was just a massive shitstorm when they did that, and you know for good reason. It for a lot of people, it really was inconvenient to have to use an adapter or to get different headphones or whatever. So it's not like it was all great, but. They just got so much shit, and now mm-hmm. it's like totally normal. There's other companies, people like Samsung, or whatever, who are not including headphone jacks, and it's like, it's just funny, you know. People like to shit on Apple when they do things, and yet other companies will still continue to follow. People shit on the notch on their phone, and then other companies will put notches on their phones. So, yeah, I don't know. It's like, hmm. It's funny how like um, Samsung was like, oh yeah, we still have the headphone jack, and like Google, so I was like, oh yeah, we still have the headphone jack too, and then like. That used to be their selling point, and now, like, no one has headphone jacks anymore unless, like, they wanted to have a headphone jack, like, the 3A or something. Yeah. They just, like, added it to be a feature. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. I really don't have, like, respect for Samsung. They're just, like, I love, I, I don't hate Android. I think that, like, the Pixel phones are awesome. I think it's cool when they make good hardware. There's other companies that do, like, the OnePlus company. There's You can make great Android phones. I just think it's, like, there's so much that Samsung has done that's so shady or, like, just sort of like really like so such obvious copying especially in the about the middle of the decade i remember that was a massive thing from like 2010 to 2015 they were like in legal battles about how they were copying apple and they've kind of gotten away from that recently but i think that's actually kind of a little mini subtopic of like samsung being totally shameless now now it's kind of switched to like a couple like one or two chinese companies that are doing it and samsung has definitely found ways to differentiate themselves recently but for a while it just seemed like every time 
Apple did something, Samsung would do it basically the same way, and sometimes almost exactly the same way. Their UI looked almost the same for a couple of years, like copying the icons and everything, just because they could, and that's, I guess they just weren't original or something. I mean, just look, look at Windows Phone, like, that's a way to make a phone look original and different. Granted, it didn't last super long. Um, right. I loved Windows Phone, whatever. <laughs> I'm still I'm still pissed that Windows Phone doesn't exist. But, uh, yeah, fuck <laughs> Samsung. Yeah. Honorable mention, Windows uh, Phone Series 7. Dude, super, like, like most honorable <laughs> mention goes to Windows Phone. It's way ahead of its time. <laughs> I just love that flat UI. Give me some of those boxes and some of that 2D, 3D look. Give me those pesky Yeah, I used the Apple phone launcher on my Android phone. I liked it for a little bit. Give me some of that Nokia plastic. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, deleting the headphone jack made uh, um, Bluetooth more of a norm. Um, more accessories were being made for bluetooth and i wonder how much of it is like i keep thinking that that the removal of the headphone jack ultimately wasn't a massive deal but i wonder if that's just because i'm in a bubble of you know in a position where i have tons of devices that can either connect wirelessly or i can easily well pretty easily afford airpods or whatever so i never i never felt the sting of how bad it could feel if the headphone jack was removed. I have a couple of pairs of wired headphones, but I have, I have an adapter for that that came with the original iPhone 7 or whatever, and you can get an adapter for like nine bucks. So I wonder, you know, maybe it's a lot harder still for other people who can't afford nice wireless headphones, but I think even if you can't afford nice ones, you can get some pretty cheap Bluetooth headphones that work pretty well, right? I mean, you're probably not, you don't have to spend more than 40 or 50 mm-hmm. bucks to get stuff that's at least as good as the ones that come with the iPhone with a little cable. Yeah, I mean, you can get, like, Bluetooth headsets, like, 20 bucks now. It's same price as regular wired ones now. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess uh, we're kind of over... Know, like, a Best Buy. Sorry, go on. Oh, it's just, I just uh, remember when people would, like, come in to Best Buy and, like, oh, I need to get this um, a lightning a dock, a dongle thing so I can listen to my headphones. Like, those things would, like, sell a lot just because... Um, people weren't used to Bluetooth headsets or they needed a dongle. Yeah, I mean, the cynical in us would say that they removed it so that they could sell $160 AirPods. And, you know, maybe that did factor into it. But I, I go back and forth. He's like, yes, it's kind of like a money grab in the sense that if you want the best experience, you do have to pay more for these nice headphones. But I guess if you do end up spending the money, the experience is way better than when you had a cord. So, I, you know, there's a little bit on both sides there, I guess. I definitely, whenever I have to use headphones with a cord, just, it feels like, why is there a cord here? It feels natural not to have the cord. It took us a while to get there, and you have to pay some money to have good headphones without a cord, but um, for the people who could afford it, I guess, it's a better experience than it used to be with just the corded headphones. Yeah. And Fitbit's still there, I guess. They still sell a lot. I saw pe- People still have them. And then there's uh, other off-brands that rose and died within the decade. <laughs> yeah, I, I do see a lot of decent amount of Fitbits around. It's like, if it's not an Apple Watch, it's basically a Fitbit that people are wearing, right? Yeah. It's very rare for me to see anything that's not a Fitbit or an Apple Watch. There might be like, one, you know, 
like one percent or two percent that I of the people I see walking around town who have something that's not that. And if it is, it's like a circular faced watch that maybe Fitbit makes one of those now too. But uh, I don't know. Pretty much Fitbits and Apple watches around here. Or like a Samsung watch. I think that's the other circular devices. Uh, I mean, a watch there is. I mean, but yeah, even so, I yeah, don't... Yeah, I'm surprised when I look around. Here, I, don't, I don't see a ton of them, but maybe, I guess, I I'm curious to see how many of those they sell. Like, has it been a, has it been that successful, or, you know, compared to the units sold by Fitbit or Apple? My guess would be low. Yeah. I'm surprised how much I walk around and I see people with watches. A lot of people have adopted uh, smart watches nowadays. It's probably as common as normal watches. Uh, and a lot of people who didn't wear normal watches. When you look at people's them. watches. Yeah, I, I still use mine a lot, so. Yeah, um, I look so. at people's watch faces and it's blank because most a lot of people have smart watches that turn off. <laughs> I mean, if you. So I'll uh, do the honorable mention. The honorable mention for this one, I'll say, is uh, VR, um, virtual reality, and Oculus Rift. There is a pretty big momentum this decade for it, but they never were able to execute properly. They had. Uh, um, Oculus was bought by Facebook. And there's a time where we would stick our phones into a device and look at phones and say that's virtual reality, <laughs> but that's kind of died. Um, I always feel like VR is a big thing that a lot of people talk about, whether when it comes to games, people are always talking about, is this graphics card or is this PC VR ready? Or when it comes to video, you know, you're creating VR content, any of that. It's uh, people, I feel like it's one of those things people talk about a lot more than the amount of people who actually use VR. And I'm not trying to shit on VR here. You know, it's it's probably cool. I personally don't have a VR headset, but um, it's just funny how it has an outsized influence on the things that people talk about and the things that people buy, even if they're not actually using VR. Um, that's not to say VR is bad. I think it yeah. it could probably still continue to grow, but I always see people talking about mostly just when it comes to hardware, saying like, "Oh, you need this or that hardware to record or to display or to render VR," when most people aren't even using VR, you know, if you think about it. The majority of people are still playing games on a 2D screen or they're um, recording video, just a standard 2, 2D kind of video thing. Um, sort of like, it's, it's like a technology that's waiting for a killer app, you know? It's the technology is getting there, but there's been so mm -hmm. far nothing that's made the general masses be like, holy shit, this is awesome, we have to use it. Um, whether that's going to come, yeah, I don't know. Like a like, uh, the only two games I can think of, like Beat Saber and then, like, um, I don't know, isn't there a new game coming out that's starting to, like, a lot of people are excited for, like, Half-Life Alex or something? Yeah, but even with one or two games, that's still not, like, yeah. a mainstream... I don't know, I, I'm still waiting for something to really make VR more of a mainstream thing, because it's, it's still kind of a tall order to get people to buy any hardware, especially hardware that, to be good, has to be a few hundred bucks, at least. Um, it's kind of, you know people will buy a game system because they can see what it does for them and they're used to those but to be able to have to spend basically that same amount of money again on something that enables a new type of experience it, it's a tough sell i think to the public 
Yeah, well, in the mm-hmm. hate and like the beginning of it, you had to have like a super high end um, computer. Now, I heard this year like the Oculus Quest like sort of bunch, like within the for the holiday season, like they sold out like at Best Buy and things. So, I'm kind of interested in that. I was thinking every time I see a sale on PSVR, I know it might not be like the newest or the best VR, but for the price, it's like. I can just plug it into my PS4 and just check out VR and see how it works. So one of these days, I might impulse buy one of those and just see how it how it is. Impulse buy. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, we were we're so. saying that this. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> we were saying that this is a second uh, season because we're trying to practice uh, with new equipment, new audio practices, and better audio quality and we're thinking about uh, the second generation or the third season we might go on YouTube and do live streaming there and we joked about um, the fourth season or fourth generation of our podcast we'll do it on a VR (laughs) we'll hang out in virtual reality and talk so basically us in VR chat yeah it'd just be like (laughs) It'd be pretty funny just see yeah, us like Sims. Uh, I mean, probably by the time <laughs> we get to that, maybe it's going to be like nice enough to like actually look like us. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, so um, the next topic, uh, I guess we have Nick start since he's basically one of them. <laughs> uh, wait, what? I was looking at this topic, number two here, and I was trying to think of any possible way that yeah. I could, like, give any sort of expertise here, because I don't really have... Like, I've, I've I pretty much never use Uber, DoorDash, or Lyft. Anyway, the topic is freelancing and side gigs become mainstream. Well, I mean, I'm talking about, like, freelancing, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I definitely do. I mean, I, I guess I agree with the, the to- with the topic in general. I mean, this is all... Lots of, it's pretty much stuff that didn't exist ten years ago, and it kind of ties into a lot of the different things that we've had in this list things like uh, ubiquitous LTE things like uh, smartphones becoming really good and everybody has them or tablets things like mobile first computing all this stuff kind of converges where you get an app like Uber where this isn't really possible on a on a desktop computer you know this is all it's built in the age of uh, mobile devices where you can pull something out it can find your location you can negotiate a ride and then have one pick you up and take you to the right address all with just your cell phone um, that's, I think that is definitely important the last decade. I mean, it's just so common now. We take all these things pretty much for granted that we have excessive, where that rides and food delivery and everything is just so accessible at our fingertips. Before it was all like calling a cab, I guess. That seems so archaic to say now in the era of things like Uber and Lyft. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, uh, w- within that, I could. Uh, say like uh, like now that wasn't I think this decade it, it was um, what was that Square Square is like now people can just go sell their stuff they just need a connection now since LT is such a big network like super fast you don't even have to like we went to like a couple concerts a couple like you, these last couple years and they just need like square and you just swipe your card and you're good so and yeah i know tons of artists who go to various like art shows or art fairs or any sort of thing where you need to sell to the public or to people and you need to set up quickly 
and it has completely changed that sort of thing for everybody or even small businesses you go to tons of like independent coffee shops or bakeries or restaurants and they have little registers set up with an iPad and Square or once in a while it might be the PayPal one or whatever but the idea of it's like the democratization of, of big technology all this stuff that used to take more dedicated hardware everything can be done now pretty much on your phone and then adding a little accessory to read a card or to do something like that it's pretty it's really common for me to go to places now where I just they use a Square register instead of a normal cash register just because it's so much easier Yeah. I even use Square too. Like if I have uh I'm sure there's other things I could be using, but for right now I've just been sending Square invoices if I need to take a payment over like a payment online. Uh if I have a client who if I ask them and the, the one of the easiest ways for them is online, I can just type in the info, type in the price and have it email them an invoice. They can pay with their card online and then I get the money like the next day. So that is um it's it's just the fact that that is so easy and so available to everybody is definitely um, pretty influential. I'd say in the last few years, the last decade. I don't know off the top of my head when all that stuff really started to happen, but I would definitely say in the last ten years. Yeah. Yeah. One side gig or freelance or actual gig opportunity is uh, Twitch. People could stream and uh, people donate just to watch them uh, play and enjoy them their personality yeah. on the internet um twitch was uh started uh, this decade i believe that's <laughs> always something that impresses me really the big. amount of people that use it and uh, because i know it's popular but like some of the numbers are kind of insane and the fact that people make so much money with their personalities uh, i guess i see that all the time on youtube but I, it's because i don't watch a whole bunch of stuff on twitch maybe that's just because i'm blind to it uh, but it's interesting to me how you can really some people have made these pretty big careers over just streaming games or streaming whatever they do and it's it's one of those things it's yet another kind of job or occupation that you might not have thought of 10 years ago that has suddenly become very mainstream yeah like 10 years ago you wouldn't think like oh yeah in uh, 2019 you're gonna see someone play video games and they're gonna make millions of dollars like what I know (laughs) I mean, good for them. Good, like good ninja, for the people who, like, who can do that. I guess. I mean, it takes a certain kind of personality, like that people want to watch, that people care about. Yeah, like people are getting like contracts to be on their network, like millions of dollars, just so they can stay on one network. I yeah, I read about that recently. Wasn't there some guy who plays was it Fortnite or something who went from Twitch to some Microsoft service and they signed him for like millions of bucks? Mixer. Yeah. It was like a ninja and then some other shroud. He's a, I think he was also either Fortnite or Apex, and they had him go over to Mixer also. Hmm. <laughs> that's what. That's honestly the money is like the only reason that I want to do anything with like social media or YouTube, or whatever. <laughs> like I, d- I just want the money to self-power itself. Like I want to spend twenty thousand dollars on a Mac Pro, but I don't have that money, so I need to make money on like some platform and then I can make videos about that computer and then make more money I mean right that's how it works you just get technology and talk about it and then make more money and get more free technology that's the dream I mean yeah like, <laughs> who, who wants to like do actual work we can just like talk about tech on it and make billions exactly of like I don't need to actually use my cameras to take photos I just need to have opinions about them and then like buy them and then talk about them for a week return the actual camera thing and then get ad revenue from the review like it'll happen maybe 
<laughs> yeah, so you just take a couple pictures. Yeah, oh, this is a nice camera. Return it, and then get billions of dollars. Yeah, then it. I don't have to actually deal with clients. <laughs> I just have to deal with like getting YouTube views. One one day, one way or yeah, another, I will uh, find that guess... new Mac Pro. You should know you have to get the fifty thousand dollar one though. That would be absolutely bananas. I don't. I don't even. Even if I had fifty, actually, never mind. If I had fifty grand, I probably would do that. But <laughs> I probably. I mean, that, but that's just me. No, I, I would. I would settle for like two or three hundred gigs of RAM. I don't need a terabyte and a half, yet. <laughs> I could sell. I could yeah. sell for two um, GPUs. Maybe I don't need four yet. You don't need a uh, sixteen. Isn't that the max you can get? You can get a lot of shit in that box, but you know it's, it's it's not like I spend like portions of every day watching videos about that computer and like configuring it and thinking of how long it would take me to pay one off. Nope, I, I definitely don't do any of that. <laughs> yeah, and I guess uh, can talk about Fortnite just being one of the biggest things to be uh, released in this last decade. It's like. Um, that and Minecraft. I was just going to say, like, fuck Fortnite. Minecraft deserves way more than Fortnite will ever get. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like, Fortnite, yeah, it's yeah, super popular, yeah. but, like, Minecraft has had way more staying power than I thought it would. I remember being on, like, the beta, like, literally 10 years ago or not 11 years ago and thinking, wow, this is an awesome, this looks like a really cool game. And then it's, it just somehow it has persisted. And it really, probably for good reason, it's a really fun game. But it's that, I think, Minecraft is... Uh, huge deal it's kind of a defining game of the decade I'd probably say like it more yeah. than there's so many games that individually might have won more awards or done other things or like maybe I personally preferred another game but when it comes down to just over overall like popularity and how it just keeps coming up and it apparently keeps going you know like people still play Minecraft um, like yeah I can't believe I didn't think about that earlier Minecraft is definitely deserving of some recognition here I would say Minecraft um, created the genre of this like uh, free open world like creation. Like, are there other games I mean, in that genre? I mean, like Minecraft for, is pretty like, much the standard. Well, what's that one game? Uh, Roblox and like this Terraria. Like, I mean, who the fuck version. really plays Roblox? Like, those games. <laughs> I mean, I'm not not to shit not on me, everybody. But I'm yeah. just saying, like. Like Minecraft, the amount of people who play Minecraft is like who even knows? But like, is it like half a billion people? And it's probably it's a ton of people. Um, I'm just anyway. Yeah, I didn't even think there was a whole genre based on it because there's been tons of simulation games forever. Those existed long before Minecraft. But something about it's like similarity to Lego and how simple it is. I think that really the charm of it was not lost on a lot of people, and then people re realized how fun it was. But it kind of surprised me that it lasted as long as it did. I thought, okay, maybe it'll be popular for a few years or five years, but here we are going on like 10 or 11 and it's, pe people are still playing it. Maybe it's not as big, maybe it's not as big as it was before, but it's still pretty big. I remember walking around even in a, a um, bookshop here and there would be like books about Minecraft just on display. Like it's, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are I mean, novels about uh, Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know, Minecraft is like one of those games that like, you can just spend hours on and just like tell me about feel it. Feel like that. 
like you, Bo, and like basically anyone else played it in high school. So I remember. I think. <laughs> I think I can't remember exactly, but wasn't I think my record Skype call might have been over twelve hours once playing Minecraft with Bo. Like we got into it. <laughs> it was. I would say it, was, it might have actually been ten or eleven years. To like to this day, it was like in winter, like when it was first coming out. We were just like super into Minecraft and. Uh, but that's the kind of thing like there's a few other games that have gotten me to do that and there's tons of people who just get lost in making these worlds um i i, I think it kind of harkens back to the the low-end graphics of the games that we were used to as kids whether that was uh, nes or super nintendo Nostalgia. or game boy games things before graphics got really high fidelity your mind kind of has to take the low-end graphics and you, you kind of enter this pretend world of like I, I know what this represents and then your mind kind of fills in the rest of the details I think that's one of the charming things about Minecraft you see what's there and then you can kind of I don't know it's not, not everything is just put out for you not everything is photorealistic you know it gives your mind more to, uh, more work to do in terms of making it believable which I think is kind of more fun because then everybody imagines things slightly more differently instead of just having one object that's yeah. like photoreal and okay this looks exactly like that you and I can look at the same pumpkin that's a block and we might get a different impression of what that pumpkin would look like if it were real, you know? I don't know. It kind of goes in the psychology of graphics and, like, how people perceive things. But I think that its blocky graphics totally worked to its advantage in getting people to uh, be charmed by it and to really immerse themselves into, oh, it's so simple that it makes me... It, it feels like a creative playground, that kind of game. Yeah. I think like Minecraft and Fortnite probably like at the last decade the top like streamed like <laughs> games ever. The probably like millions of people that watch those every day. <laughs> so uh, I guess our last topic is also Nick. <laughs> huh. Well, you know our, our topics are kind of all of us to be honest. I guess one of us will introduce it. This one, the topic is overall social media, um, Instagram. But I, I would say social media in general, that was definitely, it's been a thing before the last decade. We had MySpace, we had Facebook kind of in 2008 or 9, but from 2010 till now, we've that was been the, it's been the era of social media. It's the culmination of not just social media online, but social media on your phone that you can take anywhere. Because no matter what you were doing, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, whenever MySpace was, or anything like that, you had to log in on a computer, right? You had to be at a desktop or a laptop with a hardwired or um, Wi-Fi connection, and those back then were not as common. So social media existed, but it definitely wasn't the same way it is now, where you can just pull it out of your pocket and you're instantly connected to all your notifications. I think it's definitely it's shaped so much of our culture right now that I think it's you can't really you can't overstate what social media has done really to the world for good and for bad. You know, there's been so much stuff that there has been good that has come out of it there's really heartwarming stories of it's all kinds of stuff you see on facebook or youtube or instagram um or stuff like justice where you, you know videos are recorded of things that nobody knew was happening before and then it comes out and some of that stuff changes and of course there's all the negative stuff that goes along with that too um but i think that i would say this last 10 if i could give anything to the decade i'd say like the proliferation of social media on our always connected devices with cameras on them Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We chose yes. Instagram as the most uh, influential of this decade because people could, uh, uh, people a lot, a lot of people use it as a business platform, and people 
some celebrities and some influencers can post one picture and make millions of dollars off of it and uh, millions of people use Instagram <laughs> I bet it'd be interesting yeah, to Instagram's see like sorry go on I was just gonna say like it's kind of a joke but I mean they literally are like Instagram models that's all they do it's just like they pose like some guy takes pictures of them and posts it on Instagram like that's the career like yeah dude like and I, I totally like I follow happened. some of them cause I'm like <laughs> damn your pictures are great like I, I do sometimes wonder like how they make their money. I mean, I know how it ha- I know how it works, but in my mind, it's still kind of funny to me that it really becomes your profession to just be this personality online, um, and that's definitely a new thing. There's there might have been a couple people like that before, but with such easy access to putting your entire well, not your entire personality. I think people curate the parts of them that they want to be perceived as. You know, if I wanted, we would all put different parts of ourselves online, and we might all hide the parts that don't fit in with that personality that we want to share because you know these people that we follow online they're not like that all the time you know i'm sure that we all know that but it's the fact that they can curate a feed Mm -hmm. of posts that like that make us believe that they are a certain way and that we want to that we want to follow that we want to see that in our as part of our daily social media experience it's very interesting yeah i mean there are some people that are like that all the time just like just really happy or just like have that aspect of life all the time I guess I guess but, yeah. yeah I mean it's probably it's there are probably a few people <laughs> that are pretty um, what's the word real or pretty that that is just the way they are but I think I do think a lot of it is like for a lot of those kind of influ- influencer accounts where you see these really curated photos that are you know maybe all edited a similar way of similar stuff and they look like their life is run a, a certain way yeah. I think a lot of that's just because that's what they choose to post you know they might maybe they take you know 15 posts worth of photos in one day and then they can spend the rest of the days working on everything else they have to do in life it's not like they're doing those things every day you know it's like it's definitely a production for right. a lot of people to keep up this personality and I, I don't necessarily want to say that's wrong or bad but it's definitely just something that's kind of new that we've run into in the last 10 years it's interesting because like <clears throat> people don't go out looking for like people to just sponsor them like that's what people um find now is to like like oh yeah do you want to like like try out this product like maybe make a video or like post on it and then like that's where they make all the money now it's like they get like a free sample or, like clothing or something and they model it and now they got free i don't know about free but i mean they get like tons of money, uh, publicity for their product and then this model gets a lot of views and money that way also <laughs> yeah definitely I guess it depends on what platform you're on like on Instagram it's really about those sponsored posts or the ad posts where they're talking about a product or something um, in some other platforms it's like on YouTube you do get some money maybe from the ads that's run by your video but a lot of it will be from sponsor reads that you do or from you know sponsored videos where you're talking about a product but I definitely think it's interesting that now individuals will get money for doing the work that it used to be you'd have to have this you still have to have a marketing team and pay them but you know a lot of this it's sort of like this guerrilla advertising that happens for products that um people are asking these influencers or social media personalities there's something about the word influencer that really just i don't know i don't like using that word because i think it sounds dumb but i guess that's the best way to describe them yeah 
I mean, like, 10 years ago, there were influencers, but, like, they didn't, they weren't, like, in the, of course, like, now it's, like, in our hands, like, 24-7, right? We don't go out the door without a phone, and we see, like, a tweet, we see an Instagram post, new video on YouTube, like, it's our lives, right? I mean, some people, that's all they do, right? They just watch videos all day. So. <laughs> right? <laughs> but... Yeah, it's definitely like it's with like it's, it's the confluence of all this other technology, where before you might have to let's say originally fifteen years ago or whenever it was to make a, a video you'd have to start up some software on your um, your desktop with a webcam, and then on, it'd be kind of slow to edit that and then put that onto some sort of video sharing service. Then other people's slow connections will have to have kind of a hard time to watch that. Now you just pull your phone off the bedside table, press record on Instagram, you can post a video. It's the technology that's enabled this really intimate view into people's lives, whether it's just a random person or even with TikTok. celebrities or whatever else. Like there's, you can get what fe- it feels a lot more personal because you know that they're just using their phone just like you use yours, and they're sharing a part of their life with you. But that's what it feels like. I mean, it's not person, pers- not personally to you, but it's to everybody who watches it, which feels personal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the last honorable mention that ties pretty close into this. It might you might think it's weird that we're saying Vine is an honorable mention, but Twitter was uh, Twitter was not able to execute uh, very well with Vine and um, musically and TikTok kind of picked up from what Vine has uh, um, created, and TikTok is huge now. <clears throat> TikTok is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's another way makes that makes me feel uh, old because there's so many things that are on TikTok that I just I just don't even understand TikTok. Like I, I'm sure I could understand it on like what it is if somebody told me, but I'm just so not like I'm not on TikTok and I I, I think of it as like a younger person thing, and I'm just this older dude who uses Twitter like everybody else used to. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it, TikTok. I know is massive right now. I remember like going to my friend's house and like him and his roommate were just like on TikTok for hours, just like looking at random videos. Like, oh, look at this one. Like, oh, like yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, what? Hmm. Like, it's basically like what Vine created. It's just like short, really small like videos. They're either like music or something funny or like some random thing going on. And that, <laughs> like, I have no idea like how you can spend so much time just watching that I mean good to the people that make him they probably make a lot of money because that's all they have to do is get their phone out and entertain people with it so well I mean I would say that I mean I spent sometimes I'll surprise myself at how long I can scroll through Instagram or when I used to use Tumblr a lot there's certain things that like I can just keep scrolling and, and uh, I guess that maybe that's the way it is with TikTok too which is like these bite-sized um, little pieces of entertainment that okay this was funny let me just keep going and like it just kind of rewards you to keep going because you're not sure that the next post will be worth watching and it's so they're so usually so short and e- easily digestible that you can just keep going yeah, yeah I watched I a pod uh, I listened to a podcast about TikTok and TikTok is less of a social network than people might think uh TikTok is powered by machine learning and they try to figure out who you are and give, they have a big massive database of uh, videos and try to feed you what you want to see. Instead of following people, you get uh, 
what they think you would be interested in watching. <laughs> See, now so I'm kind of afraid to go there because I don't know. I don't want to know what they think I want to watch. <laughs> yeah, I tried it a couple times, and I I see that it's. I don't know if you looked into Facebook uh, videos. It's kind of similar, the same way, but I think the videos are a little more low class, so I don't. I kind of lose interest pretty quickly. <laughs> I don't really appreciate well, those videos so as much. Those Facebook videos that like take TikTok videos compilations and just like release it because like maybe you just want to watch it on Facebook instead. I don't know. <laughs> I'm afraid of dismissing TikTok because I don't use it. You know, like TikTok is a big deal for the people who, for the people who use it, and I don't. I'm afraid that I'm one of those people that sort of like back when we were getting on Twitter or Instagram or anything, and there were older people usually who said like, "I don't understand it. Like, why are you into this? Why this is not this is dumb." And I feel like now I'm I'm feeling a little bit of that <laughs> for TikTok because I don't use it or understand it. I'm kind of like I'm becoming this older person who's like. I don't get why you'd want to look at this. Like, why? Why would you want to use this instead of Twitter, Instagram, or whatever? Like, this is why. Why did this deserve to get so popular? But I'm kind of self-aware of that. You know, like I know that I'm feeling that, so I'm trying to give it. I'm trying to just let it be, be what it is without me thinking. I don't want to. I don't want to be that old man screaming at the clouds or whatever. You know. I feel like TikTok's uh-huh. kind of like a. Uh, I don't know, maybe like a YouTube for Snapchat kind of thing. I mean, like, maybe. I you don't have know. these sort of things. <laughs> like, you create it not just for a friend, you create it for everyone to watch. And it's not just like. Sometimes it's just like you, like, I don't know, making a funny music video, or maybe you're like dancing to some music. And then another one, you're just like making this weird skit, or just being yourself. It's like. It's interesting how, like. I think it's the generational thing. It's like. People are so uh, used to having this like short attention span of a video, and then moving on to the next thing and seeing like, oh, that was funny. What's next? You know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I do kind of miss like. I guess lots of the social media that I like is still here. I, I actually do. I mean, Twitter is insane and can be toxic and like shitty, but I, I like the idea of Twitter. Like, I still like Twitter as a social platform. And I, I really love YouTube. Like, there's certain things I still like that still exist. But um, because there's, those are the ones that I like, I'm used to, you know, I want to go to YouTube. And I, I lo- I've watched long videos frequently. You know, lots of the videos I watch are over 10 or 20 minutes because I love finding content that's specific to what I want to see. So to me, like, I like things like TikTok or Vine or whatever because they're funny. But I'd, ra- I'd rather even watch a compilation of funny ones. Like, I don't want to spend all this time scrolling through and finding random ones if I can have somebody curate them for me. <laughs> I'm just this, uh, I don't know, I'm like the opposite. I'm just becoming old. I'm not one of the juniors <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, I guess we forgot about Twitter and the other social media platforms too. But I mean, they started before this decade, but they did massively like blow up in this decade. Yeah, I definitely think I do think that Twitter and Facebook at least they were they were already getting really big in like 2008 and 9. So they were definitely bigger in this decade, but like I mean, if we were talking about one of them technically, I bet you like Instagram and then maybe TikTok now. Yeah. But is is there <clears throat> like Facebook? Sorry, go on. 
I was just gonna say like Facebook's kind of um, <clears throat> become just like a degenerate platform with memes now, so I can't really say it's. Uh, well, fuck fa- fa- Facebook is just like this fucking evil company, <laughs> and <laughs> everybody still uses like Instagram and Facebook. But they're also just evil, so that's just <laughs> let's just put that out there. Like Facebook is not great. Yeah. Like most of these companies are like questionable, but Facebook is just like straight up like. I, don't know, I have opinions. So anyway. <laughs> what, what, <clears throat> thinking about this list, like, what are the are there any quick fire little things that you guys can think of? after talking about all this stuff that you thought of in the, in the last decade that has stood out to you as memorable or influential? Hmm. Um, I mean, we, I've, I think uh, most of what we thought of uh, hits most of, like, what I see in my life that's uh, influenced. I guess there's a lot of uh, new kind of uh, pop music I was. I could say like, um, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say um, one thing. I think that we were missing, that is, honestly, might have deserved to be one of the top spots. Would be um, streaming music platforms, Spotify, pretty much, and then um, Apple Music and Google Music. Um, they're just like yeah. that is pretty much a this decade kind of thing. I guess it might have existed in some ways before, mm-hmm. but really, it was like this decade where. It's it's basically become the default for everybody. You know, pretty much nobody pays ten bucks for an album on iTunes anymore or Amazon. It's, it's really just about pay your ten bucks a month or whatever it costs and get all your music whenever you want because we have these phones now that can support that. So I think that's a huge one that was kind of off the list, but it's like a super honorable mention because it's just massive. Yeah, like now um, people don't even buy really physical albums anymore, even like digital libraries to just subscribe to Apple Music or Spotify and then they make playlists and that's what they use for like work or when they go on runs like no one like buys music and that's changed over the last 10 years yeah I literally know nobody who does that I mean I used to know even within a couple years ago I knew some people who might want to do it but even those people have switched over pretty much to Apple Music or Spotify Um, it's just so much easier for most people and I, I know that there's still some debate about the economics of that and how it works out for the people who are getting paid but as a consumer it's become the easiest thing to do and i think a lot of people realize that for the price of maybe one album that i used to pay for i can get access to all the albums i want to listen to and that's really changed our attitude it sort of makes audio like like searching youtube or wikipedia or any of these online repositories where oh what is that song i can just listen to that immediately i don't have to worry about paying a dollar for it if i just want to listen to a novelty song and it helps us with our, you know, those devices we have—the Google Home, or the uh, the Home Pods, or the Alexa, the Echo devices. We can just call out and say, "Hey, play this kind of music. Play that kind of music. Play this artist." And uh, that is not something we could do ten years ago. We can just call out to the air now and have music start, often with pretty good speakers, and it's music that we get to listen to as much as we want for paying a pretty nominal fee every month. Yeah, I think yeah, the economics of streaming music is pretty sustainable and good because I remember when Trevor started paying for Google Music or something. I asked him, like, how often do you buy albums? And he would buy one month, maybe once every few months. But he's paying like $10 a month for it. So you're probably paying more for the streaming service than 
the albums that you're getting. Um, but I guess I meant more the economics for the artists. Yeah. Like the there's a lot of people who are probably making probably less money now, just because what used to be multiple dollars of revenue from an album sale are, are now just a few cents from playing a couple songs. Hmm. Uh, I guess there's uh, pros and cons to every uh, innovation. So, like now that music's so um, easy ac- accessible, like. I bet you there's tons more people going to concerts and things now because they've heard the songs like, oh yeah, I know, um, I don't know, Taylor Swift or whoever plays anywhere because they have Spotify on the radio or something. Well, that's an example, actually. Yeah. When I go to, yeah, we another would go thing to metal about shows together like that, right? Like we would go into a show and then on the way there, we wouldn't know the opener, so we could just go to Apple Music or Google Music or whatever we're using and just listen to the artist right. before we go there because there's lots of people that I wouldn't want to kind of risk spending 10 bucks on an album just to hear them you know for an hour before I go to the show but if I, if I have a subscription I can just listen to that and go oh wow this looks cool or doesn't sound cool or whatever and then like maybe you buy some merch and, and they made some money off it. yeah I mean that's kind of I've done that with a few bands where I've gone into them you know I kind of on the way to a show I heard the opener because I opened up at Apple Music and then I saw them at the show and I liked them and I've become big fans of them so I, you know, that, that can be a good way that that works out. Another thing about streaming that it's good for um, upcoming musicians and stuff is that a lot of them, a lot of the services are like radio um, focused and they share songs that are similar to a song that you may have requested. And it brings an opportunity for exposure to artists that you may not know. And it, uh, it'll give somebody an audience, a greater audience than they have originally had. And, like uh, yeah. Pandora. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd... Yeah, like... Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, like, I definitely found, like, Every other artist I've listened to from listen to Nightwish on Pandora. <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes back to listening to Nightwish. Yeah. Well, okay. So other than streaming, like any other yeah. things that you guys thought of, or is that pretty much it? Um, I guess just uh, like just how easy it is to like have your own like personal studio and stuff just like uh, I guess you could say independent artists are pretty big now I'm not big but I mean like it's now something that's in the last decade is definitely you don't need to have like a huge studio to start like recording your own music you can just like have a microphone upload something and if you're found by like a person on the internet it's like oh look at this artist you can get big it's yeah it didn't Billie Eilish and her brother record on like so. just a laptop and garage band originally I mean I think they're using logic now probably better equipment but uh, that's an example of somebody who's <laughs> like one of the biggest artists of this year who just started recording with basic hardware you know at home yeah and like 10 years ago you'd probably have to have like because they didn't have these kind of like uh, cheapo uh, wall like I get, like microphones back in the day like 
you'd have to spend hundreds of dollars just to get like a decent mic and now you can actually get something that's reasonable you can like here and just upload it to YouTube and 10 years ago it'd probably be hard to do that <laughs> I would say actually that 10 years ago the, the, lots of the hardware existed you know what what you could do with GarageBand on a Mac 10 years ago is similar to what you can do now um, I, I won't talk about PCs because I don't you know the PC like when Microsoft doesn't include music making software like GarageBand but um that you've been able to do for a long time, but I think recently in the last 10 years, it's being able to share that so easily. You can make an Instagram post, a YouTube video, a SoundCloud upload, so easy and for free. And that that's the ability to share what you make on your own has become, that. I think that's what's helped a lot of artists achieve success. Because you've, it's been, a, you know, for more than 10 years, we've been able to record our own music really easily, but sharing it was a lot harder before because there weren't as many platforms to do that. And it was a lot harder, but now with this instant yeah. upload, instant access, it's sort of leveled the playing field for, you know, you don't need to just wait for having a label put your song on the radio because you can just put your, you know, put your song on TikTok or something and you'll get views, you'll get ears. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else that come up to you? No. Shall we, should I... Uh, kind of go over the list for the last time before we close up. Um, for number 10, we have uh, Google Assistant and this, the assistants of Alexa and Siri. Number 9, we have uh, Tesla and the electrical vehicles. Number 8, we have mobile first computing. Number seven, we have tablets. Eight, we no oh, nine, we sorry six. six. We have uh, <laughs> six. We have Disney. Five, we have T-Mobile, making us uncarrier. Um, four, we have Amazon with the one-day delivery. Um, three, air, wearable technology and. Apple taking over that. <laughs> Two, we have the freelancing and being able to make your own career. And two, is lastly, is social media and mainly Instagram. Um, those are the new uh, most influential concepts that we have noticed in the past decade. Um, thank you for listening. Um, yeah, thanks uh, for listening and having Nick uh, Nick being on the show with us again. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, and then uh, hopefully by uh, next time I'll have a new mic, so it hopefully it will be even better audio. Because right now I'm just recording with the Pixel 4, so see so yeah, how that works. Yeah, I think the audio will sound a little better. I recorded with my... Um, my Yeti mic into Logic here, and I'll do a little bit of audio work on it, and I'll send it over for you guys to edit and make some magic out of. Cool. All right. So uh, that was the uh, last podcast of the year, and next year, start a new thing. And uh, I guess Happy New Year's to anyone listening. And yeah, so I'll talk to you guys later. See ya. Yeah, talk later.